Welcome to Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi with Kim Nitschke. And Kim, we're talking all things trusts today. And this is exciting because you set me up with a trust a while ago and it was, it was bloody awesome. Because <laughs> prior to that, I was earning a wage, I was getting slammed by the tax man mm-hmm. and setting up a trust has just changed my world. So can you mm-hmm. maybe just explain to us in as simple way as possible what is a trust? Well, a trust is just a document which really enables you to split income. It's as simple as that. But its ramifications are massive and it's so at times difficult to wrap your head around that it's best to just memorise the way that it operates. <laughs> because, I mean, if you think about it, a trust is what? It's a legal, it's a deed between a couple of people that was set up, you know, a thousand years ago by the lords over in London. And we've adopted it because we've taken on their culture and their um, legal system into our system. It definitely enables you to split income. Now, the way it does that is if you're married, this is a classic example, um, you can earn income through your business and split it to your wife and your kids. Right. And every time you split income, it drops down, it halves it, it thirds it, it quarters it. It means that the tax rate overall, the marginal tax rate overall is lower for everyone. So you pay less tax on the total. Because as your income goes up, obviously your tax rate goes up. So if you can keep your income as low as possible, you pay the lowest rate. And with a trust, you see it as really the reverse of income. Oh, yeah. So with a salary and wage earner, it's very hard to claim tax deductions these days. They're still available, of course, and there's quite a bit that you can claim. However, you've got only five or six boxes on your tax return where you have to come up with motor vehicle expenses, travel expenses, you know, work-related deductions. The rules are very tight on what you can claim. Yes, no. It's sort of really stacked in favour of the ATO in regard to the, what you can claim. And, and that's a big, no, you can't claim this deduction, basically. Um, so you start with your salary and wage income and you take off your deductions, which are very few. The business situation, you start with your income, you deduct any expense, the definition is much broader, that any expense that was incurred in gaining your income. It could be anything. You know, you know, well, it, it's not everything, but that's a pretty broad definition. You end up with an income figure and you pay tax on that. Right, so see how it works out differently. Your mm. salary and wage, you know, the ATO, whatever is on your group certificate, they really want to protect and and tax you on that figure. Mm. Right, you're allowed a few deductions. As business income, definition's much broader. Generally speaking, there's a lot more things that you can claim as a tax deduction, and there's massive benefits for asset protection as well. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, with the trust. We're talking pretty much family trust here because that's everyone's got a family. Um, <clears throat> you're really wanting a family trust so that you can split income to your family and that's the definition. If you take it to the next level and you appoint a company as trustee or the person who controls the trust or directs the trust, then you've got a corporate trustee. Now, the corporate trustee, the beauty of the corporate trustee is it's its own legal entity. So... When the trust um, 
needs to shelter from the storm. You know, it needs to um, be closed down or get out of some sort of debt or um, whatever. If you've got a corporate trustee, it can be wound up overnight and any outstanding loans, outstanding liabilities, any unpaid debts. Court issues. Court issues are all frozen. You can't take a company that's in liquidation to court, right? Whereas if you um, – the, the other alternative, you can have an individual who's the trustee of a trust, but you don't get that same protection because it falls on the shoulders of that individual, right? So um, I've had the situation where um, – and this happens time and time again. You have a business come and speak to you and they'll you know, overwhelm you with such a great business plan. And then after a while – you'll get a phone call that they're not meeting the sales targets, but they've got plenty in the pipeline and tomorrow never comes sort of thing. Mm. And over time, the business might dwindle down. They bought it off Joe Bloggs, but Joe was a gun salesman. This new person has, has been a good investor and borrowed against their house to buy the business off Joe, but they're not as good at sales. So then, you know, you might find that they're behind in their rent, racking up an ATO debt, whatever, but the debts are creeping up, the cash flows down, and there's a point where they come and meet with you and go, look, we're in a real pickle here. How do we get out? Now, if it's been set up the right way with a company as head of the trust, and along the way, you've been very diligent in not giving personal guarantees, like you know, personal guarantees for rent payments or whatever, you can dong the business on the head, close the doors, and walk away, no black marks on the credit record which is gold. And it, it, it's, it's a situation where so many times it saves your customer's backside. And it might not be the customer's fault. I've given the example where they're not good at sales. But often it might be a marriage breakdown or it mm. might be um, some business has set up across the road and taken all the customers. Or, yeah, like you know, an external circumstance. Exactly. It might be completely out of this person's control and they haven't seen it at the beginning when they've gone into this business. And yet, because we've done all the right things along the way, um, we have made the exit strategy just so much easier for them. I'll give you an example. I was at a barbecue recently and I bumped into the brother-in-law of um, a business owner that I'd set up in a, a company with a family trust. And it had been a terrible situation because the business had basically gone um, south and we'd closed it down. There was marriage breakdown as well. But... The brother-in-law said to me at the barbecue, gee, thank you so much, Kim. You know, as a result of your careful um, setting up of the business and your due diligence and all that, we saved the house, you know. So for them, I'd made a positive impact in their life just because I'd used a family trust with a corporate trustee. Hmm. Great outcome. So who can, who can use a trust then? So a trust is applicable to basically anyone who's in business. It, yeah, so if, it, if you it can't, can't be for like a standard wage earner who's no. employed. That's right. If, if you've got to uh, – the rules are that you've got to have uh, less than 80% of your income from one particular person. There are a couple other rules around that, but that's really your bottom line. So you've got to have 5, 10, 15 customers. You've got to be paddling your own canoe. And the other thing, if you're splitting income, there's no point in being a trust for income tax planning purposes if you don't have family. <laughs> I mean, you, you can do it for asset protection and that's quite a valid mm. um, reason because, you know, 
consider the earth mover who accidentally digs straight through a fibre optic cable. He might not have family. He might be by himself, but he's got this. If he he a family trusted still be a good idea for him with a corporate trustee because he gets asset protection, which is better than any insurance policy in my opinion. Because let's just say he hits the fibre optic cable, he makes a phone call to his insurer, and they, you know, they'll ask him fifty questions. Mm. What were you doing digging that area? Did you dial one three hundred before you dig? Sort of thing. Mm. Whereas with me, if he rings me and says, "Kim, I've got a problem," I'll ring a mate who's a liquidator and say, "Look, we need to liquidate this company promptly because we've got some big problems." <laughs> it's done on the spot, no questions mm. asked. I'm not saying where is your excavator, where was it, what were you doing, you know, was there a chance that you were negligent? All those sorts of questions come up with insurance policies. They don't when you're liquidating a company with a liquidator. Can you just clarify beneficiaries as well? So it. What do you mean by family? Like how do okay. you define family? So family is anyone blood related to that person. And th- these are the definitions that come up as a standard definition in a trust deed. Um, a beneficiary, sorry, going back a step, is anyone who you can distribute income to out of your business, right? Now, by default, that's um, mum, dad, brothers and sisters, spouse as well. You can extend that definition to other people outside your immediate family and that's fine but you can't go back and change it later so you pretty when you set it up you've got to know who you're going to distribute your income to the the, the classic example is um uh you know a uh, young man will go into business and he'll be married and he'll put his wife's name in the deed <laughs> and they split up <laughs> and then 15 20 years down the track he can't go back and take the wife's name out even though he's got a new partner <laughs> Oh a little bit awkward at times. <laughs> but what about, and tell me if I'm getting into murky water here, but you've got the kids as beneficiaries. Mm. Like, you're not actually giving them the cash. No, it doesn't have to physically be paid to the person who is receiving the distribution at the time, but it should be at some point in the future. But to receive the, the tax planning uh uh, the tax planning relief at the time, it just a bit needs to be a journal entry on paper. It's basically a, a paper entry. Okay. Let's move on to deceased estates. How can you use a trust to help with managing a deceased estate? Right. Let's consider the example that uh, my grandma dies and she's, got, she's on the pension and she's got a little bit of interest from term deposits. So when she dies, there's a line drawn in the sand that any income up to that point in time goes on her final income tax return. So if she dies now, we're halfway through a financial year, um, she'd be doing an individual tax return up until today. For, as soon as she dies, we set up a deceased estate tax return for her and then the ATO will give her the rest of this financial year and then two more years after that, that she's taxed as if she's still alive and she's an individual. They're basically giving you, they call it three years, but it's a bit less than that, three years for you to clean up her tax affairs. But if you're clever, you can actually do distributions from family trusts to this dead person. Now, you're not out of the cemetery slipping $50 <laughs> notes to them. It's all on paper, but you, there's tax planning opportunities there for these people that have passed away. So a, what you're saying is a dead person can be a beneficiary. Exactly. 
And just to clarify, as you mentioned, you don't have to go to the grave site <laughs> and, you know, dig a little hole and stash some cash there. <laughs> no, it can all be done with journal entries. And then there's testamentary trusts. And I think I've heard you describe it as the trust for rich people. Yeah, this is great. I, I've learnt this. Um, not a lot of people know about this. And this one's you know, a, a matter which is dear to my heart because I think it's just <laughs> it's really good. It's it is it is great. So let's consider your mum and dad have passed away and they have ten million dollars in assets. And they might not have that much, but and, and you've got um a sibling that, that their estate's gonna be split with. So you end up with five million and your sister ends up with five million. Now what you can do is this has to all be done in your parents' will before they pass away. So mum's will and dad's will. There needs to be... A so should I get on to mum and dad shortly? <laughs> I think you I'll should be reading this afternoon and saying, have you got provision in your will for testamentary trust, mum and dad? And most people haven't. Most people haven't heard of it. I've even had a discussion with a lawyer who said it's overrated and overused. And I'm thinking, hello? <laughs> you love it. It's your thing. I love it. I'm thinking, am I missing something? People but I'm watching Game of Thrones at night and you're just going through testamentary trusts, <laughs> just right. loving it. Right. So you need these paragraphs. I don't actually understand what they mean. I've read through them a couple of times, but it's legal, legal talk. But it basically says something along the lines of in their will that they are giving their executor the option of setting up testamentary trust for their beneficiaries. That's that's it in a nutshell. When that happens, that means that when that $5 million is coming through to you, you put it into your testamentary trust and then any income that's earned on that $5 million can be distributed to your kids who are under 18 years old, tax, well, not tax-free, but tax-free up, up to 18200 and taxed as individuals, I think, over that. I have to double-check that. But at least they can get the 18200 No questions asked, straight through to them. Which, now, if you think about that, that goes a long way to paying school fees, doesn't it? So that covers two weeks at St Peter's College <laughs> where you send your kids? <laughs> <laughs> a bit more than that. But, <laughs> but anyway... It, but that's massive because everyone... Like, school fees are the big thing for most parents like ah, oh, that's the one thing that they can't seem to do anything with they just got to cop it you just got to pay it exactly it is a huge burden on most families and it's i'm amazed at the massive sacrifices that people make but here's an opportunity for you to soften the blow when it comes to school fees if you're inheriting a few bob, bob from mum and dad and it just requires a little update from a lawyer on your will is that right it's yeah, adding an extra line exactly really. and the number of times you mention this to people and they race out of your office and they redo the wills immediately because once mum and dad go, it's too late. You can't go back in time and change it. And it's just a simple update to a will. Awesome. Yeah, there's, there's no downside to it. And even if, like, the funny thing is, put the paragraphs in. You don't have to use it. Yeah, it just it's, opens up your world. That's right. Another so if your sister, you know, if she wants to be conservative with her tax plan, she doesn't have to go down that track. But you can't. You know, you've got the option. Hmm. It's great. I'm just texting my dad now. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I love it. I mean, we're talking about legal things here, but I'm so passionate about the whole accounting environment that you have to understand the holistic approach on, you know, anything to do with finance, you have to be completely across it these days because it all integrates and it's interlocking, isn't mm. it? There seems to be a lot of different things that you could potentially do with a trust. I would imagine it'd be best to just get some advice about your general situation, say to your accountant or whoever, can I use a trust in some respect? Exactly, exactly. Now, um, the business guru for property investing in Adelaide, Compilates. I've spoken to someone who was being mentored by him. He's There's told that me, one photo of Compilates that they use in the paper every time. It's him puffing this <laughs> massive, massive cigar. Oh, jeez. I wonder he could breathe. There's that much smoke in that photo. <laughs> and, and he's also driving the rolls. I'm not sure whether you noticed in that, in, oh. in, a, in another photo that they use all the time. It's just anyway, so gangster. He had 56 companies and trusts, right? Now, he was a property guru from like 40, 50 years ago. They are as relevant today as they were back then, if not more so. And, you know, Canberra had this brilliant idea, I think about five, ten years ago, where they were going to abolish trusts, right? Made it to the paper. It was number one news story there for months. It went to vote and everyone in parliament had to actually uh, do a backflip on it because they didn't actually realise they had heaps of family trusts in there. <laughs> they were all using them. It was going to be a massive... <laughs> it was yeah. a massive imposition if they um, abolished them. So... It got squashed. It never got over the line and they're still around today. Sweet. <laughs> well, on that, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Accounting Insider, of course. So visit the Accounting Insider website to connect with Kim and sign up to the mailing list. It's accountinginsider.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.